from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is The Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks, and welcome back to The Joy of Booking. My name is DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. I hope you are well. I hope those you love are doing well as well. Uh, if I sound a little different, it's because this is a very different episode of the podcast. We're still going to do, we're deep in the Halloween Havoc list. We have ranked, oh, I don't know, 37 matches or so. We're going to rank some more today. But I am, I'm coming to you from a place I have not been in quite some time. I am back in the room in which I recorded the first oh, I don't know, couple hundred uh, joy of bookings, <clears throat> couple hundred tournaments and things. Uh, I am back in what used to be my podcast studio and is now a a craft room. Um, and, you know, it's a Friday evening. It's 7.30 at night, <clears throat> couple weeks before Halloween. Got to have my water. And I was bored. I'm reading this Nitro book to give you a sense of time and space. If you remember me referencing this book, um, it would have actually come out today, this episode, um, in which I reference this Nitro book. But I was bored of that, and I, I had watched stuff, and I was like, I want to record, but I did not want to displace my lovely bride from her spot. Um, and so I figured, you know what I'll do? I'll just come in here. I didn't bring the microphone. So this is MacBook audio, folks. Sounds pretty good to me from what I heard. I'm sure you won't mind if it's not quite the dulcet tones as you're used to, because really what we're here for is we're here for the matches. Uh, there were 111. Is that the number? I don't remember anymore, but there were a lot of these matches that took place I'm looking right now. No, 107. There were 107 of these matches. We've ranked 37, so we only have 70 to go, uh, and I'd like to be done before Halloween. So, you know, um, our list now begins with the 1993 matchup of Steve Austin, stunning Steve Austin versus the natural Dustin Rhodes. Uh, and it goes all the way down to the terrible, I didn't even finish it because I was uh, insulted, uh, number 37 from 1990, Renegade Warriors, uh, just horrible cultural appropriation, versus the Freebirds, just horrible hair dye and face paint. I don't know what they were doing. Where's the Freebirds? Uh, so we have all those matches in here. And what we're going to do is we are going to try to remember what we the rules we made. I think it was something about, was it DDP and Johnny? No, Honky Tonk Man and Johnny B. Bad was one of our baselines. Uh, we also had, I want to say it was like, was it The Wall in Reno? Is that another one of our baselines? Either way, we're going to muddle through this together, friends, and we're going to do some more matches. Uh, my list has been randomized again, so we'll get all new numbers here. Our first matchup today is match number one. I know that sounded fake. That reaction sounded fake. That reaction sounded like I knew it was coming. I swear to you, I did not. Um, it's a Friday night and I'm tired. Maybe that's why it wasn't so good. But this is the first match ever in Halloween Havoc history. 
Uh, it is Tom Zank, the Z-Man versus Captain Mike Rotunda from 1989. And I can tell that it's the first one because I took an entire page of notes on this match. Um, and, you know, while it was a decent opener, as I wrote my summation of it, uh, this match did not deserve that. And as things went on, I just stopped, obviously, taking a ton of notes on things. Some met, some did. Some matches I'm seeing here, really good ones, got longer. Uh, but, you know, this match got a whole page of notes. I comment on the very young Nick Patrick. I, I uh, ponder whether or not the Varsity Club had been disbanded. You know, we've got good 80s opening face and heel work. There are four tables lined up at ringside with nobody at them. What's that for? Um, you know, uh, they're talking about Mike Rotunda's endurance on the announcing and how he was a great athlete even at nine years old. Um, I did get bored midway through and read about Mike Rotunda's U.S. Express with Danny Spivey after Wyndham left the WWF. Um, so, yeah. You know, there, there was some good things. Um, we did see a lost move where you put the head down like you're going for a pile driver or a power bomb, and then you just jump in the air like a head smash sort of thing. Um, but it was a decent match. And, you know, I, I have to kind of figure out where the decent matches were. Let's look at that DDP or no honky tonk man, Johnny B bad. I want to feel, I want to say that was also a decent match. Um, I got to go over here to 94. I should have done this all in once. You know, I would have exhausted myself and you, but I feel like I should have done Yep. All right. So Honky Tonk Man and Johnny B. Bad, I believe, sets the tone for decent uh, matches. And while I don't recall being bored uh, during the Honky Tonk Man versus Johnny B. Bad, I also like both Tom Zank and Mike Rotunda way more. So what I'm going to do here is we are going to have it take its place. This is going to be our new, I think, uh, benchmark, you know, makes sense for our first match ever in Halloween Havoc to kind of set the, the scene here. Tom Zank versus Mike Rotunda, I can spell, and that will be our new sort of benchmark for what qualifies as a decent match. Uh, so, with that off the, we're off to the races here. Our next match is number 13. Match number 13 is, we're flipping ahead, we're flipping ahead. Oh, this was a good one. I liked, oh, actually I said it was fine, but I thought memory serves it was good. Because it features a wrestler, I don't know as a more, wow, I really can't talk. I don't know enough about. Uh, Stan the Man Hansen. I believe his only involvement in uh, Halloween Havoc, part of WCW, um, you know, wins the U.S. title from a very young diaper-wearing Lex Luger, uh, and that was the matchup from 1990, Hanson versus Luger. Uh, I wrote down whether or not Luger is better as a babyface or a heel. I can't imagine why I would ever care to ponder that in hindsight. Uh, Luger is in full diaper mode. I did write that down. Hansen is fun to watch, and he was fun to watch. Between the huge amount of tobacco he had um, that he was, you know, stuffed in his craw, to his pre-match promo, to the match itself, 
Apparently, Danny Spivey was Hanson's protege. That caused me to go to Google and learn that Danny Spivey is only three years younger than Stan Hansen, but apparently you can be a protege of someone you're only three years younger than. Uh, and Stan Hansen won with the Lariat. Uh, so the match was fine. So where are my fine matches here? Does Goldberg versus Chronic count as fine? Let's look. What did I say for Goldberg versus Chronic? Quick and effective. What about Chris Jericho and Gato? Awkwardly decent. All right, so we got to go a little lower. What about 97 Scott Hall versus Lex Luger? What did I say about that one? Story good, match not. Well, can't argue with that. Uh, let me go to the Wall versus Reno. What did I call that crazy match there? The Wall versus Reno. Meh. All right, so we're going higher than that. Uh, let's put it... Okay, Scott Hall and Lex Luger is the match with Larry Zbysko. That's what makes that one. Um, from a storyline perspective, that match certainly is better. Uh, so let's put it... In between another Tom Zank match, the Z-Man versus Halloween Phantom, we will say that this uh, Hanson-Luger match is better because it was longer and actually a match, not just a squash. Uh, but we'll say it wasn't as good as Lance Storm and Jim Duggan versus General Rection. And some old school fans are going to just shake their head at the idea that I am putting a General Rection match above a Stan Hansen match. But I don't want to put two Lex Do I put two Lex Luger matches next to each other? All right, we'll switch it. You know what? We'll switch it. On the off chance that that Jeremy guy, whoever he was, still uh, listens to these shows... You know, maybe something offensive like this would have brought him back to the world of, you know, posting and interacting and hanging out with his friends. But, uh, you know, I won't risk it. The Jeremy rule, still in effect, will say Stan Hansen versus Lex Luger, just one spot below Scott Hall versus Lex Luger. And that is solely because of the story told during the match. Uh, next up, we have 13 we already did. 79. Let's flip way ahead to match 79. What are you? What are you? You are, oh God, you are Lodi versus Saturn from 1998. Is this eight? Why didn't I write it down? It's eight. 1998. Lodi versus Saturn. This is not a pay-per-view quality match. Um, it couldn't have been. It had Lodi in it. Uh, I don't know why it was on this show. You know, I didn't read. I'm, I'm only through. Uh, Hulk Hogan just joined the New World Order in my Nitro book. And I don't trust the Death of WCW book anymore. Uh, so I don't know why this match existed. I read my first right note was, is this Saturday night? Um, you know, it was an added match. I assume they ran out of time or they needed to cut something. Um you know, Saturn's got a weird look this on this match. He's got a beret, but he's also wearing, like, the Shawn Michaels sort of sparkly vest sort of thing. Lodi's chasing after... The, the best part of this match is Lodi comes out with his signs. One of the crew takes the signs and leaves, and Lodi chase as, chases after him, claiming he needs his signs. 
Um, you know, and Saturn's good. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy watching Perry Saturn wrestle, but this match was not needed on a pay-per-view. Uh, I said, meh, but I would say that I would submit that the wall versus Reno was better. I would submit that Disco Inferno versus Jackie was better. Uh, Chris Benoit versus Rick Steiner better. I will put it, hmm, I will even put it below Jeff Jarrett versus Sting, but I won't put it below Zodiac versus the Macho Man, because that match just was stupid. So we will put it at number 31, Lodi versus Saturn, number 31, in between Jeff Jarrett and Sting from 2000, the match that really the story was all the Stings coming out and the match itself was pointless, and the dumb Zodiac versus Randy Savage. I have spoken. Number 25. Let's go back in time and see what 25 is. Oh my God, another Lex Luger match. Another Lex Luger match. Go away from me, Lex Luger matches. Uh, from, again, I didn't write it down, 91. Is this the main event of 1991? I think it was. This was the main event of the, the 1991 Halloween Havoc. Ron Simmons challenging Lex Luger in a two out of three falls match. Pretty, yeah. Um, Lex Luger's your world champion. To give you a sense of how bad WCW was back then, Lex Luger was world champion. Uh, Ron Simmons a year away from winning the title, but they're, they're, we're heading in that direction, which is a good thing. Uh, Dusty Rhodes is in Ron Simmons' corner for reasons. Harley Race and Mr. Hughes are in Lex Luger's corner, which is interesting. Uh, Ron wins the first fall quickly with a spine buster. And the problem is... In this type of match, you're asking Lex Luger as the heel, and I'm assuming the more established wrestler, I could be wrong on that, you're asking Lex Luger to be the quarterback, which is just going to be a problem when you want Lex Luger to be your quarterback for a wrestling match. Uh, there was a cheap disqualification over the top rope. I've always hated the over to the top rope rule. I get it from a ring psychology standpoint. There's things you can do with it, but I think it's stupid. That called for the second fall, which was lame. Um, and then Lex won with a pile driver. It was an underwhelming match, and it was an underwhelming main event. Um, both his Scott Hall match and his Stan Hansen match were better. Uh, was it better than the Wall versus Reno? You know, I'm going to have this kind of weird Lex Luger land. Because I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it below the uh, Stan Hansen match. But it is technically above Lance Storm and Jim Duggan versus General Rection. So we have here currently 22, 23, and 24 are all Lex Luger matches. And then we've got another one at 30. Can we be done with Lex Luger? Please. Can we be done? So, that's that. Uh, what's next? 52. Ooh, from 25 to 52. We just switched the digits from the ones place to the tens place and the tens place to the ones place. And you can tell that I teach young children. This was a fun one. 
a very weird match that I forgot was a thing. Um, Mr. JL, a.k.a. Jerry Lynn, dressed like a luchador, taking on Sabu. Did not remember this at all. No memory of this match ever taking place. But Mr. JL versus Sabu at a WCW pay-per-view in 1995. Um... And it was a car crash. That was how I defined it. It was a car crash. Not a great match by any stretch, but you got your springboard moonsaults. Uncle Sheik is there, which makes for things. There was a fireball at the end. Um, it was a spot fest. They didn't have great chemistry, but there were some fun moves. There was an Arabian face buster or an Arabian moonsault that led to the victory. Jerry Lynn, I can't remember doing a whole lot, but he did some stuff, I'm assuming. Uh, so... And that, to me, goes higher than quite a few sorts of things. I said Chris Jericho versus Gato is awkwardly decent. Does that mean it was better than this? Probably, but not by much. Ron Simmons versus the Barbarian? We'll put it under Ron Simmons versus the Barbarian. Uh, Brian Pillman wrestled Richard Morton, which I'm sure was fine. But I enjoyed this match more than I enjoy things that are fine. So, number 20 currently. Mr. JL versus Sabu from 1995. Next up, number 45. We've done 42 matches. Now we see match 45. Another Steve Austin match. Uh, not as good as many of his other ones. Perhaps his worst one in Halloween Havoc history. But don't quote me on that. Uh, this has got to be 94. He's wrestling Hacksaw Dugan. Bill Watts says Dugan, despite the fact that everyone else in the world says Duggan. Bill Watts says Dugan, which is dumb. Uh, Jim Duggan is the tag team, or not tag team champion. He's a champion at some point. Is he, I want to say he's TV champ, but maybe he's US champ? I can't remember. It doesn't matter for the purposes of this. Uh, Austin versus Duggan, the match, I said, not bad which I would put maybe under decent but above fine. Uh, let's see. I had hoped. I knew that Steve Austin had a prolonged feud with Ricky Steamboat, and I really hoped we were going to get one of these matches. And it just makes me want... Can I tell you what I want to do now? Can I tell you what I want to do? Once this is done, I want to pick another... Uh, WCW pay-per-view, Uncensored, Fall Brawl, Starcade, and I want to watch all those. And the the crazy part of me, the crazy part of me says, oh, you could rank all the WCW pay-per-view matches. It's not a good idea, and I'll eventually get lost in the in the, you know, I won't remember the matches. I think that would have to be a tier list. That would have to be a tier list of saying this is an A match, B match, C match. Um, but that's what I want to do. I want to just live in WCW. I got to tell you, right now I have no desire to continue any of my quests. My 1984 quest, no desire. My 2003 quest that includes TNA currently at this moment, no desire. I want to kind of just float around. Um, or watch, you know, a pay-per-view. I could do it with WWF, too, and WWE. I could watch every, you know, every Survivor Series. That's asking a lot. But I had a thought, like, I could watch every Royal Rumble except for the Rumble match. Don't watch those, because I've seen most of those. 
but just watch the rest of the card for all the other rumble. You know, just crazy ideas like that. I kind of feel like I need to go back to the randomness. The sequential thing, you know, makes my mind feel good in some ways and just not as good in the other. Um, yeah. Steve Austin, he's he's close to being out the door. I can't imagine he wanted to wrestle a WWF cast off. This is 94, so this is prime. Hogan brought all his friends to relive the 80s. Uh, you know, Bobby Heenan's on commentary, though. That's always nice, because this is, again, this is... Heenan left Raw in 93. So, yeah, he would be, you know, relatively new to commentary in 94. Um, after you see Jim Duggan in Mid-South Wrestling, watching Hacksaw Jim Duggan is kind of weird. Um, you know, I didn't feel like Austin was into it. Uh, Duggan does have giant fists, and Austin throws him over the top rope for a DQ. So, the match, again, not bad. Uh, where, where does not bad stand? Let's break up some of this, uh... Lugerland here, and let's put it in between Stan Hansen and um, Ron Simmons. So we'll put it at 25. It was better, maybe, than that Ron Simmons-Lex Luger match, which wasn't as good as I hoped it would be, but not as good as Stan Hansen. I do enjoy me some Stan Hansen. From 45 to 78, jumping through time once again... And we get, oh, we did 79. We did Lodi versus Saturn. This is the match that happened before that. Way better. Uh, Fit Finley. Not nearly enough Fit Finley in my life. Taking on Alex Wright. Now, I want to pause for a moment to talk um, about character. Because the interesting thing that happens when you watch a pay-per-view year after year after year. When you're watching in a short period of time all of these Halloween Havocs is you get to see some wrestlers uh, multiple times in a row. But an entire year has gone by in the, in, the, in the world, in the wrestling world, in the stories. But you see these wrestlers sometimes in the same day. I, I may have watched the 96 um, Halloween Havoc and the 97 Halloween Havoc in a day or parts of it. And so what's interesting about Alex Wright here is 97 Alex Wright looks identical to 96 Alex Wright. Down to the same leather jacket, the same color trunks, the same hair. I personally believe at this point that's not a good thing. I should be able to tell the difference between 96 Alex Wright and 97 Alex Wright. And the only difference is Deborah was there one of the times. Otherwise, it's the exact same guy with the exact same clothing. And that's not good. What has your character done in a year? Obviously, nothing, because you look the exact same. You haven't grown facial hair. You haven't gotten a haircut. You haven't changed the color of your tights. I don't personally see that as a good thing. And if we take it back even further, when we get to, when we talk about Sting, yes, the face paint changes color. Yes, the, the tights change color. But Sting is the same Sting for a very long time. 
And yes, I know, The Undertaker was the same for a very long time, but at least The Undertaker changed it up and when, and here's the difference, here's the difference. When The Undertaker changed the outfits, when he went to purple, when he put the mask on, when he went to the teardrop, I believe that most of The Undertaker costume changes came with a character change to go with it. Maybe it wasn't a serious or significant character change, but something happened that was different. You could tell that a storyline affected him in some way and things were different. In this case, for poor Alex Wright, and I understand, he's Alex Wright. He's, nobody cares enough to, to, to change him. But to me, I go back to Steve Austin and Dustin Rhodes wrestling for the same title like multiple years in a row, and their characters haven't really advanced all that much either. Uh, but having said that, that's not really germane to our conversation right now, but it was just something I felt like opining on. Um, Fit Finley is 40 years old at the time of this match. Um, you know, I, there were a couple of moments during this quest where I was like, this person was either born too early or too late. If Fit Finley had been born 10 years later and was coming of age in a world in which these major promotions existed and were big and popular, how big could he have been? You know, he was a big deal in Europe. He was a big deal in the UK. If you listen to Regal's podcast, he talks all about it. But how big could he have been? Now, maybe he didn't want to be, but just I just imagine that. I just imagine that. Um, the match got a boring chant. I didn't find it boring, but the match got a boring chant. I can't remember what it followed. It followed, now a match that shouldn't require a boring chant. Um, you know. Fit Finley's doing right, doing well, because he's Fit Finley and he's awesome. Alex Wright does well because unlike Lex Luger, Fit Finley can be a ring general for a match and made Alex Wright look good. Um, Alex Wright won with a rude awakening. I think Alex Wright won. Yeah. Alex Wright won with a rude awakening, which I thought was an interesting move for him. I can't remember what his finisher was at any point, but that was an odd choice of of it was a decent match. You know, I was entertained. I, I love me some Fit Finley, so I was entertained. So, uh, entertaining matches here, I would put it, you know, Honky Tonk Man versus Johnny B. Bad was good. It was. I remember it. Um, I, I'm actually going to say I don't think it was better than that, and I don't know that it was better than uh, Bobby Eaton and Terrence Taylor. I don't, you know, I'll put it at 19 below Jericho and Gato, which I think is a match that I don't give them enough credit for because, oh, maybe it was 97 and 98. Is this 90? Oh, this is 98. Excuse me. This Finley, uh, Alex Wright match. Um, but either way. I think Jericho and Gato is better than I give it credit for. So I'll put it below that, but above Ron Simmons versus the Barbarian, which, you know, I think I wanted it to be a good match, but that doesn't mean it was. Next up, 102. Oh, God. I want to stop talking about not good matches. We're heading close to the end here. Oh, Jesus. This has to be 2000, right? Yeah, 2000. We're in 2000, folks. Buckle up. 
Mike Sanders versus the cat in a kickboxing match. Why? I don't know. I think they're fighting over who's like the commissioner of WCW. I don't know why it's a kickboxing match. Ernest the Cat Miller is a three-time karate champion. I guess Mike Sanders must have challenged him. to. I don't know. I don't know why this happened. Um, I did spend a few minutes trying to figure out whatever happened to Miss Jones. Because she was kind of a flash in the pan. But I like Miss Jones. Um, you know, Ernest Miller is underrated. I can't say he's a good wrestler, but he is very entertaining. He had a very entertaining presence. And I know that he is... In 2003, if I go into those quests where I'm watching Velocity and Heat, I think he's doing the commentary for Velocity. Um, you know, this is all new breed, whatever they were called. Stasiak and Palumbo were there, and I just can't handle Stasiak and Palumbo. Um, you know, Ernest Miller does a quick cartwheel kick. Shane, chain, but not... What does this mean? Hold on. Shane, chain... But not oh Shane Douglas, stupid 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 Shane Douglas Shane chain but not over so Shane Douglas comes out with a chain, hits, uh, the cat, but I don't think the match ends. We go to sudden death because I want to say there was like a wonky finish there. Um, you know Ernest Miller chases Shane Douglas out of the ring. Apparently countouts are a thing in kickboxing matches, and uh, Mike Sanders wins. Uh, the, the note I wrote for this is, okay, by comparison, compared to some of the other matches in the trash fire that is Halloween Havoc 2000, this match was good. But it wasn't. The cartwheel kick was the best part. I am going to put it below Bret Hart versus Sting, which at least had some good moments. Uh, but above the opening six-man tag of Michael Hayes, Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson versus Tom Zank, Johnny Gunn, and Shane Douglas because at least there was an entertaining part of the match. The only entertaining part of that opening six-man tag was watching the heels enter and get cheered because the babyfaces stunk. Uh, Mike Sanders versus the Cat. All right. We are... We're not... I can't say we're cruising, but we're, we're making progress. That's what I can say. We're making progress. I will freely admit that this episode is probably going to be done in parts, just because I don't think I want to spend two hours doing this. So I'll probably record a bunch and then pause and pick it up. So there might be some choppiness to this episode, but I took on a Herculean task. You're going to have to bear with me here. Match number nine, the opening match of the 1992nd annual Halloween Havoc. Uh, Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich versus the Midnight Express. There was a red mat for Halloween Havoc 1990. Was it just? No, I think it was the whole thing. I think the whole thing had a red mat, probably to go with the Halloween Havoc theme, but it looked weird. Um, you know, I think at this point they've changed partners. Uh, no, I'm wrong. In the 1988 Midnight Express match, Stan Lane is not good. And I wondered if that was a Stan Lane issue or a whoever they were facing issue, which I can't remember at this moment. Uh, he's way better now, probably because he's taking on Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich. Um, you know, Bobby Eaton hits a great slingshot backbreaker. 
I wrote that Tommy Rich not being in the match a lot is the best part. I, I've never understood Tommy Rich. I don't get it. Um, the Midnights were baby faces in 1988. Oh, they took on the Samoan SWAT team. That was who they wrestled, which was not a bad match. Um, but the Midnights are way better as heels. Um, all of a sudden, you know, the Southern boys come out dressed as Jim Cornette, which is a distraction. So there's a there's a tennis racket shot. So the, you think the heels are going to win, but then the Southern boys come out as a distraction. Then Tommy Rich uses the racket, and the babyfaces win because it's the opening match of a pay-per-view. And in that moment, the babyfaces always won. Uh, it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Um, was it as good as Pretty Wonderful and Stars and Stripes? No. I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of watching uh, Ricky Morton get beat up. I don't care who does it. Uh, I will say here... That, uh, yeah. Oh, thought there was a knock on the door. I will put it. Come in. Nope. Thought there was a knock on the door again. I'm losing it, friends. I'm losing it. Nice thing, though, recording at night. No birds. No birds. Um, I will put this match. I don't remember a lot of it, which is part of the problem uh i will put it i'm gonna put stan hansen and lex Liger. but oh i can check i can actually check this hold on i remember because i did rank these so i put this match as the second to last match only uh better than the renegades versus the freebirds so it's gonna be below this I will put it below Z-Man versus the Halloween Phantom, because at least that match, you know, Rick Rude looks silly in a mask. But above uh, the Wall versus Reno. Because the Wall versus Reno, I could not call fine by any, uh, any stretch of the imagination. So Rich and Morton versus the Midnight Express comes in for me at 30. Next up, 94... This is from 1999. The champion, world champion Sid taking on Goldberg. Um, the match I considered to be low, fine. Six out of the ten matches at this show. Um, I don't remember why they were fighting. Oh, I do remember that throughout the show... You know, Goldberg's looking for Sid. He attacks Sid backstage. Sid is bleeding from the head and screaming. Sid's looking for Goldberg. Uh, Hall and Nash attack Bill Goldberg before the match for reasons. Uh, Sid is bleeding. Um, it felt like they were trying to make Sid a babyface and Goldberg a heel, and neither of those things really worked very well. Uh, and then eventually, they just stopped the match because Sid is bleeding, which, again, is a babyface thing to do. You stop the match because the babyface is losing too much blood and he wants to keep fighting, but the referee won't let him and everyone's mad because the babyface couldn't win. That's essentially what they tried to do, but the crowd was just confused because they thought they were supposed to boo Sid and the, or they didn't know they were supposed to boo Goldberg. So, like I said, I called it low fine, uh, which is right around where we were before. I'm going to put this match above... Z-Man versus the Halloween Phantom. Because Sid bleeding and yelling is entertaining. But below, Lance Storm and Jim Duggan versus General Erection. 
Because that match, at least, you know, you got Lance Storm. There's a storyline to it. I'll at least give it that. Next up. We've got 106. Oh, God. Back to 2000, everyone. Back to 2000. And actually, probably, did I say this is the best match? Oh, no. Only the third best match of this. Uh, Booker T, who is our world champion, versus Scott Steiner. Uh, this is the penultimate match of Halloween Havoc history, second to last. Only, um, and you know, Booker T comes out as the champion. Scott Steiner's yelling because he wants to be a main eventer, and this means that Goldberg will go on after him. I don't know why that was a thing. Uh, Stevie Ray's on commentary for the 2000 Halloween Havoc. I don't mind Stevie Ray. I don't mind him as a wrestler. He's not anywhere near my favorites, but I don't mind him. Um, I don't mind him as a commentator. Not bad, actually. But at one point, Stevie Ray says that this show, Halloween Havoc 2000, is one of the best pay-per-views he's ever seen. Which means, apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently that means that Stevie Ray is blind. Because this can't be one of the best pay-per-views you've ever seen, because it's terrible. And everyone knows it's terrible, and they should have said it was terrible. One of the comments I wrote during this is people paid for this. Because even in this match, which was all right, people paid for this show. People paid to watch this filth of a show. Um, I wrote, it's not bad, but it's slow, and neither of them seem into it. Uh, but then afterwards, it must have picked up, because then I wrote, this is better than it should be. So obviously the middle of the match was lacking, but then they kind of picked it up near the end. Uh, Steiner takes out Booker T with the pipe. Medeja's involved in some way. Um, and there's a DQ win for Booker T. Uh, so an all right match. I did put this over uh, Lance Storm and that. I even put it over Goldberg and Chronic, which puts us up in the top 20 here. Right? Did I do that? Yeah, I did that. Uh, so let's put it right above. Because, you know, the Skyscrapers versus the Road Warriors I remember enjoying. And I don't remember enjoying this one, but it was okay. So let's put it at 17. Right above Goldberg versus Chronic, we'll do Booker T versus Scott Steiner. And, you know, say what you want to say about the 2000... Uh, Halloween Havoc. But in this moment, it has two matches in my top 20. Again, we're only 48 matches in, but that's something, I suppose. That's something. 81. Back in time a couple of years. 81 is Scott Steiner again. We covered uh, part of this in our last episode. This is from, I want to say again, 97. I really should have written this up. 98. And this is the match that leads into Rick Steiner versus Scott Steiner. This is Scott Steiner and the giant who smokes cigarettes for some reason versus Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell. And we talked about this already. Buff Bagwell turns, obviously, runs away. It's Buff's return from his injury after legit breaking his neck due to a Rick Steiner bulldog. Um, Chucky was involved somehow, but I can't remember why, you know, buff celebrating was entertaining. Then he runs away. Um, and it's a handicap match. The giant is on the top rope at one point, misses the missile drop kick. 
and that allows Rick Steiner to get the win. Uh, it was okay. It was better than the... No, it was not as good as Rick versus Scott, but it was okay. So, let's see here. Obviously, it's going to be better than Lodi versus Saturn. I put it was okay. So, let's see. Again, I kind of look at Lance Storm, Jim Duggan, and General Erection as my kind of okay barometer. Um, I will say it is at 28, above Ron Simmons versus Lex Luger, but not as good as Steve Austin versus Jim Duggan. Because, again, the match was kind of eh. It was a lot of Rick Steiner getting beat up with a couple of good moments. So that's where I'll put it. We'll put it at number 28. All right. That takes care of that. 37. Let's head back to 37. I'm going to guess that takes us to, like, 93. Yep, we'll be in 93. And you know what? Marcus Bagwell gets... Uh, two in a row. He is going in as tag team champion once again. This is his first Halloween Havoc as tag team champion. We saw him with uh, Stars and Stripes in 94. Now he's paired with Two Cold Scorpio, underrated tag team, taking on the Nasty Boys with Missy Hyatt as their uh, manager. Um, at one point, Buff Bagwell's doing like a Chippendales dance, which in hindsight, knowing what we know about Buff Bagwell, is just awkward. Uh, let's see. Um, I think Teddy Long is in the corner of Scorpio and Bagwell. So if you want to trace it, he's Skyscrapers. Then he manages Doom. Then he manages Johnny B. Bad. Then he manages Ron Simmons. And now he's managing Scorpio and Marcus Bagwell. That's a weird roller coaster of a managerial career for Mr. <clears throat> Theodore Long. An interesting moment where the baby faces hit the heels with the belts before the bell rings, which you don't often see. A not so good moment. You know, remember when, are you old enough to remember when? In a wrestling match, if there was a heel manager and the babyface went over and, like, kissed the heel female manager, the crowd would go crazy. That doesn't age well anymore now. That's, that's, that's not something that works in today's wrestling. Um, it makes sense in hindsight, but again. Uh, you know, I, I pondered whether or not the Nasty Boys, who were, you know, skinny fairly skinny in the early days if they gained weight for these characters, if they gained weight intentionally or if it was just something that happened. Two Cold Scorpio is great. Let's talk about that. He's great. The Nasties are also very good. I, I mentioned this back when I talked about the 94 match. Watching Marcus Bagwell get beat up is boring. Uh, Scorpio does all of his great moves. There's a moonsault. I think there's a 450 splash. The Nasties cheat, as you would expect, and win the belts. So, I said it was fine. A fine match. Uh, ranked number six here. I'm trying to see what other matches I could compare to. Not a lot of 93 we've talked about, which is sad, because there's some very good matches in 93. Uh, we will put it, this fine tag team match, better than Rich and Morton versus the Midnights, 
better than Lance Storm and Jim Duggan versus General Erection. Let's put it, was it better than Pretty Wonderful versus Stars and Stripes? What did I say about that one? What did I say about that one? I said that one was fine. I said this one was fine. So we're in the ballpark. Um, Pretty Wonderful and Stars and Stripes ages better. So what I will do is I will put it, again, under Stan Hansen versus Lex Luger, but above, oops, what did I do? Uh, Austin versus Duggan. So this is 93, Scorpio and Bagwell versus Nasty Boys. We haven't, we've been in the middle. We have been in the middle kind of, I feel like, this whole time, and while... Uh, this episode isn't winding down. My recording is winding down. We're approaching the 45-minute mark, and I'm going to tap out and tap back in again next time, which will be probably tomorrow. You won't notice a difference, but for me, it'll be a new time, new channel. So let's try to get a good one here. Let's do match 28, and let's hope that match 28 is a good one. Uh, and it is. Actually, I think this match will do pretty well. This is from 90... Again, I want to say this is 91... Nope, 92. 1992, the man they call Vader. You know him, you love him. The man they call Vader taking on Nikita Koloff. Now, there's a, some sort of alliance between Nikita Koloff... No, Vader and Rick Rude and Harley Race. Because... I want to say that Rick Rude is like the U.S. champion, but he's letting Vader defend the U.S. title. I don't know what's going on. Um, but this match is good. It's a no disqualification match for some reason. Uh, Vader is, you know, I believe that when you get hit with a Vader forearm, it hurts you more than a regular person's punch and maybe even a strong man's punch. Those Vader forearms look awful. Uh, this was really kind of a squash match. You know, Nikita Koloff was a big deal in the 80s. I don't think he was a huge deal in 1992 or 93 when this match happened. Um, and this was a just a Vader showcase. A lot of good matches. Uh, to be fair, I don't know that Vader was helping out a lot. I, I saw at least one or two times where it looked like Vader wasn't helping Nikita do anything. There was a suplex. Vader didn't appear to like give anything or help in any way. There was a throw that Nikita tried to do that Vader, I think, just sort of planted like the blob in the X-Men and just did not move. Um, I did comment that this was too long. Did I have I done? Let me look here. Have we done? Yes. The number six match is Brian Pillman versus Ricky Steamboat, which is also from 92. And I said that this match, Vader versus Nikita, was too long. Uh, and more time should have been given to Pillman and Steamboat. But Vader won with a powerbomb, and I will enjoy a Vader squash match whenever I can get one. But I did say that this match was not as good as Pillman and Steamboat. So I will put it two spots below. I will give the Steiner versus Steiner... Uh, an edge, but I will say that this match was better than the Chamber of Horrors, which it was from a, you know, legit match perspective, not necessarily a wrestling or a wrestle silly perspective. So we added a match to the top 10, which means I can say thank you very much. I'll see. I'm going to take a break. You're going to listen for a few seconds and then I'll be back 
with more. But for right now, I'm going to take a break. Uh, have yourself a good night, sweet dreams. And when you hear me again, I'll be fresh as a daisy and ready to do more matches. Well, as promised, I am daisy fresh. Daisy fresh. Uh, it's the next day. It's now 2.30 in the afternoon. Uh, still hope you're doing well. Still hope those you love are doing well. We're 51 matches in. We're still not even halfway done, but we're close. But we're close. Uh, so let's get right back into it. Uh, nothing exciting has happened since I last spoke to you, except uh, we got a very cool promo from Bray Wyatt. Um, he came back. We heard from Wyndham, I believe, briefly. And then, of course, there was some Bray Wyatt shenanigans. As you would expect. Um, some good matches. Yeah, I was sports entertained, as I often am. What's our next match? We just ended with Nikita Koloff and Vader. Uh, that entertaining match, that cracked our top ten. Will this next one crack our top ten? I doubt it, but let's hope. Match number 39. Let's flip, flip, flip-a-dee-doo. Match number 39. You know, this match should. This match should. Uh, crack my top 10. Just on name value alone, you would think this would crack the top 10. Ric Flair versus Ravishing Rick Rude from 1993. Rick Rude is supposedly the world heavyweight champion, even though we know uh, they don't consider that a world heavyweight title. I think that's like the NWA belt, but we're in WCW. It was a weird time. Um... On paper, this match should be great. Uh, and then you have Terry Taylor as a second referee for reasons. Um, and when you ever have, whenever you have a second referee, you have to assume that that's going to play a part. I can't think of a match. I'm sure there are examples of this, but I can't think of one in which there are two referees and there aren't hijinks. This screams uh, Dusty Rhodes style booking. Um, and you know, it, I, I said it was meh. I said it was meh. And again, I think we talked about this possibly last night in the first part of this episode. Um, expectation versus reality is a thing. When you expect a match to be bad and it's better than bad, that's very good. That's kind of what WWE pay-per-views were like for a while, uh, at the end of the Vince McMahon era, we went in with low expectations and then they were decent to good pay-per-views, which seemed great compared to our expectations. But when you expect a match to be good and it's not, that problem obviously works in reverse and it's, it's, it's more disappointing. Um, you know, the problem is I can't remember this match. Partially because I don't know why they were fighting. Like, and maybe this is, you know, I'm reading this Nitro book. I am, let me click over to that window, 55% of the way through. And uh, apparently, according to Kevin Nash, WrestleMania 14, Austin Michaels with Tyson, is the first time that a pay-per-view had uh, recaps. Something we take for granted now. Supposedly was invented... Uh, in 90, that would be, what, 
97? Yeah, nine. No, wasn't it? Wasn't ninety seven? Ninety. It had to be after that. Ninety eight. Ninety eight. Because Brett goes to WCW in ninety seven, so Michaels is still wrestling. So it must have been ninety eight. Um, supposedly that's when it was invented, the first time they ever did it. Um, so we didn't have this here in nineteen ninety three. So I don't know why they're fighting. I assume it's just over the title. I also don't know who the bad guy is and who the good guy is. Um, so that's also a problem. Hard to make a match memorable when I can't tell you who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. Uh, Ric Flair does a rude awakening, which I always enjoy when people... I still maintain there would be a great gimmick of somebody who starts stealing people's finishers, and that's how you know who they're going after next. You know, if Bray Wyatt all of a sudden started doing... Now I gotta think of a good finisher. A brogue kick. Or, you know, something to that effect, and now you know he's targeting Seamus. Or something like that, I think would be pretty fun. We had a ref bump, of course, but then we had a second ref bump. Um, and then Flair is DQ'd for reasons. I even said this, it just said reasons. Uh, this match was, for me, the second worst match of the show. Now, 93 might be, top to bottom, the best Halloween Havoc from an in-ring perspective. Um, the array of talent is great, but this match was disappointing. So let's see here. Uh, we have Scorpio Bagwell and the Nasty Boys at 28. That is just above this one. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of scroll through here. And I will put it above the wall Reno line. Uh, but I'm going to put it at 35 in between Z-Man Halloween Phantom. So we're going to have two Rick Rude matches back to back for now. Uh, but ahead of Tommy Rich and Ricky Morton versus the Midnight Express. The reason Z-Man and Halloween Phantom is higher is because I know what the story was. I know who the heels and faces were. And uh, it was short. So, there we go. I have spoken. Next up, number 58. The opening match of 1996. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We might have a new number one, folks. 96 opens up Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio. You know how I feel about Dean Malenko. You know how I feel about Dean Malenko. And Rey Mysterio, I, he's never been, you know, I loved him as a kid watching wrestling. He showed me a style of wrestling that I did not know existed. But he's never really been my guy. He's never really been my guy. I'm not a small, undersized high flyer by any stretch. Though credit to him, you know, he just won, again, time and space, give you an idea, snapshot of where I am. He just won the number one contender. He's going to get beat up by Gunther. Um, so that will be fun. But Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio is fantastic. It is, for me, going to immediately take the number one spot here. Uh, you know, two awesome wrestlers. Everything is crisp. You've got Dusty Rhodes, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Mike Tanay, Tony Schiavone on commentary. Great quartet. 
Um, I believe the story is that Dean Malenko at one point has kind of stolen a mask from Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio gets it back and changes his masks mid-match. You know, Bobby Heenan, if he had been the manager, he'd have put some sort of itching powder into it to mess with the baby face. Um, you know, it, we're flowing from one submission hold to another submission hold. We've got Mark Curtis as the referee, Brian Hildebrand, one of my favorite referees. So sad we lost him so early. Um, it was really good. Maybe. Maybe it was a little too long. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. A little too long. Uh, Ray was spent. Not vomiting at the Royal Rumble spent, but he was spent. Um, what I love about Bobby Heenan, besides everything, what I love about Bobby Heenan on commentary is he was legitimately excited and entertained by these uh, wrestlers. You know, he loved the cruiserweights, I really think. Um, I remember him, you know, going back and forth with Mike Tanay because Mike Tanay's coming up with move names. And he's like, you made that up. And, you know, he's making jokes about super callow, fragilistic. Uh, he's just great. So, you know, we get us a middle rope gut wrench powerbomb. Dean's the new champion. Um, just a thing of beauty from top to bottom. If you have not seen 96 Halloween Havoc, Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio, you owe it to yourself right now to stop this and go watch. Because it is now the number one Halloween Havoc match of all time. Taking over the spot from Steve Austin versus Dustin Rhodes. So, so good. All right. Ooh. Now, had I known, because I didn't randomize these. Had I known that that was coming after Nikita Koloff and Vader, I would have pushed on and ended last night on this high but we're going to keep it rolling folks here number 64 we might be staying in um 94 here we are we're still oh, 96 rather excuse me uh, and we're going to get you know not the number one match but the number four match on my list uh tag team champions the outsiders or are they they have the belts but i don't think they're champions uh taking on harlem heat in what i decreed to be an enjoyable match. Now, this card was not bad also. Let me kind of go here and just look at the words. Fantastic, fine to good, meh, fine, bleh. Ooh, I had a meh and a bleh. The bleh was Arn Anderson, Lex Luger. Um, not a bad show, the 96 Halloween Havoc. Not as good as 93, but not bad. Um, you know, the crowd loves Hall and Nash, obviously. Charisma machines. I'm reading about their backstage antics as they, you know have issues with Eric Bischoff and have issues with Sean Waltman being let go. Um, it's interesting to note that Stevie Ray is at least as tall, if not taller, than Scott Hall. Um, you know, we see young Booker T. This is before Booker T, I think, has any sort of singles thing. I think his seven, best of seven series with Chris Benoit's in 97. Uh, very good teams. You know, underrated on our list of best teams of all time, both of these guys. Um, we also have Harlem Heat has both Sister Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker. I reminisced. I remember that uh, love affair from when I was younger, which entertained me, mainly because um, Colonel Robert Parker looks like my high school wrestling coach. Uh, there was a yikes moment, though. The, the, the 2022 yikes moment. Uh, Scott Hall kisses Sherry, which is yikes on its own, but... Colonel Parker's dancing in a fit of rage. That's good. 
But then somebody, it may have even been Bobby Heenan, I'm sad to say, said that she asked for it. And that's cringe. That is cringe in hindsight. Um, you know, uh, the outsiders wind up getting the cane of Colonel Robert Parker and using it. I seem to recall Parker's in the ring. They basically just scare him into dropping it and they use it. And now they're the legitimate champions. It was an enjoyable match. It was. I was wrestle entertained by this match. So we don't have a lot of 96 in here so far. We've got Hogan and Savage at 12. God. Uh, this is just below that. I'm going to put it... I'm going to actually put it pretty close to that. I'm going to put it above Rick Rude and Masachono. Because I think there was more for me to enjoy about this. What am I doing? Oh, my goodness. Somehow I'm up in the title of the spreadsheet versus Harlem Heat. We're going to say that's the 14th best match right now. Again, we're still not. We might be at this point halfway through. But we've got a long way to go. But right now that's going to be 14. Next up, number 40, back in time. We go to the main event of 93. Again, that 93... Halloween Havoc, very, very good. And the main event of that is a spin-the-wheel, make-the-deal match. Yeah, spin-the-wheel, make-the-deal. That is correct. Those are the correct articles to use. Uh, Vader versus Cactus Jack in a Texas death match. I didn't know what a Texas death match was. There's all these matches that have very similar stipulations, and the names just keep changing. This is very similar to, I'm always reminded of WrestleMania 10, Randy Savage and Crush. I think I've mentioned that on this series already. Um, after a pinfall, the wrestler has to get up by a 10 count. There's like a 30-second break, which is stupid. And then they have to get up to answer a 10 count, and the match continues until someone can't do that. Um, I would like to know who designed Vader's mask. I would like to know... Let's, let's, let's take everything we love about women's lingerie and put it on a big guy's face. Uh, you know, it's Mick Foley in the main event. Life is good. I made a comment. This will put butts in seats. Ha, 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 Tony Schiavone. Um, you know, Vader's tights were always weird. The V on his tights was hidden by his singlet. So it said, you know, if you're cheering, you're cheering for go, Ader, go. Uh, but Foley suplexing Vader. We've got, you know, uh, Cactus Jack looks good. We see offense on Vader. Uh, Vader's usually, we saw it with Nikita Koloff at the end of last night's half of this episode. Uh, that's unusual. Uh, Cactus wins the first fall, kind of. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> I made a comment. One of the best innovations in wrestling are thin tables because the tables in 93 WCW are hefty. They're some big boys. That's where the big boys play. Uh, Harley Race has a taser, which kind of ruins it. We'll get to. Um, no chair shots. There were no chair shots to the head, thankfully, but this was a painful match to watch. Um, the taser doesn't work. Like, it's on Cactus for a very long time before he realizes it's on. I'm guessing he expected to actually get tasered, and maybe it was a gimmick taser. I don't know. 
you know, unfortunately, this Nitro book only covers the Nitro years. I would love a the Nitro book, I think I mentioned it the other day, is too detailed. There's there's things about this I don't care about, and I keep skipping sections. I don't care about, you know, the decision and, the and you know, wrestling video games. Like, the dis- there was some stuff in there about wrestling video games that I had no interest in. Uh, but this match is 90% good. This is a 90% good match. Um, and what that means for us, friends, is... The 93 Austin-Dustin Rhodes match was my number one for that first part. Uh, Except now, this match is better. So this match has to, by default, uh, become my number two match. Uh, Because it's not as good as Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio. But it's better than Austin and Rhodes. So just by default, we now have, not only do we do a number one, we now have a number two. Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio, our number one match of Halloween Havoc history. Vader and Cactus Jack are number two. Austin and Rhodes will have to settle for third place again for now. We got some heavy hitters in this episode. Heavy, heavy hitters. My, my fear in doing this all randomly, my fear is that by the end of this episode, will be two-thirds of the way done, and I'll have covered all the really good matches. So that last episode is just going to be me talking about the junk and the middle, the middle and stuff. I hope it's not the case. The odds are in my favor, but the fact that we got those two fairly back-to-back is a little troublesome. Let's hope that match 73 is at least average, so we don't have to worry about it. We are in 97 here, and we have Randy Savage, uh, Diamond Dallas Page. An interesting note about 97's Halloween Havoc is that there are no tag team matches. There are nine matches on the show, all of them singles. Interesting how that works. Um, Savage is part of the NWO. But he's got green lightning on his tights. I don't know why. He's not adopting the black and white. We don't have a black and green wolf pack. Is he part of the LWO? And no one told me. Um, This is also apparently a last man standing match. I feel like they didn't really mention that until the match kind of kicked off and they went into the crowd. It's almost like somebody forgot and they had to mention it, you know, because Savage and DDP are in the crowd and nobody's getting counted out. Um... I, I do wonder, I do wonder, 97 Halloween Havoc, they still should be firing on mostly all cylinders. So I have to wonder if them going into the crowd was an idea that Savage slash GDP had and they didn't tell anybody because not a lot of security. Usually when you go into the crowd, there's extra security in that area, obviously, to keep the wrestlers safe and to keep the fans safe. That didn't happen, which makes me wonder if it was unplanned. And the camera angles are terrible. There are a couple of moments in this match where you can't see either of the wrestlers. You have no idea what's happened. Um, Which, again, makes me think uh, that this wasn't planned. Um, They fight up into the, you know, graveyard set area. Uh, The tombstones are obviously made of styrofoam, so when they get whipped into it and it breaks and it looks like styrofoam, my suspension of disbelief is gone. 
I at least paint it gray. I don't know how you paint the inside of styrofoam, but I don't know. Figure something out because that was a little rough. Uh, then they did slam. I think DDP slams Randy through a coffin, which was better. And I think Randy's bleeding because of that from the body. Uh, at one, you know, Dusty Rhodes, we talk about how great he was as a wrestler. We talk about how great he was as a trainer, as a mentor and all of that. I love, my favorite Dusty Rhodes actually might be him as in commentary. When he's excited and he's just shouting, so the, the thing that always comes to mind is when they're fighting in the women's uh, bathroom or the women's locker room. He is losing his mind and he screams at one point in this, he wobble-legged him, which was the worst Dusty Rhodes impression I've ever done or maybe anyone's ever done. But he was wobble-legged him. I, I can't do it. I don't have Dusty in my repertoire. Uh, but yeah, at one point they're using a video camera. Liz is there. Kimberly comes out. A very weak cat fight, which is good because cat fights are stupid. Um, Randy hits the worst top rope elbow I've ever seen, then hits a second one, which is better. Uh, but eventually Randy wins because the fake sting shows up with a bat. And this is, you know... Uh, I, this was before I saw the terrible Jeff Jarrett Sting match from 2000, but, you know, you're just done with the whole fake Sting thing. You're just done with it. Uh, so, it was up and down, I said. I said it was up and it was down. Uh, fourth, fourth best match in 97, which speaks to how bad some of the other matches in 97 were. There were some great ones, and we'll get there, don't you worry. Uh, it was... Let's see, better than, so we got to start off, I'm starting to kind of go by the yearly rankings. Better than Scott Hall and Luger by a couple of matches here. Was it better than Booker T versus Scott Steiner from 2000? Yes. The brawl through the crowd and into the graveyard was entertaining. So it was more than that. Was it better than Honky Tonk Man versus Johnny B. Bad? I actually say yes, because there were some more entertaining parts. Better than... DDP versus Johnny Bad from 95. Because I like Randy Savage better than Johnny B. Bad, yes. But in terms of the actual match, no. So I will put it, I'm going to bump Rick Rude and Masachono down again. Sorry, 1992. And we will put this match at uh, 16. DDP Savage. Number 16 for us. 44. Let's go to 44. We're in 94 for 44. And we have another Dustin Rhodes match here. Taken on, this is the first time in three years he's not wrestling Steve Austin. Uh, he's wrestling Arn Anderson. Again, on paper, this should be a great match. Problem is, it was a very good match. It wasn't a great match. So there's a little bit of disappointment that comes with that because it wasn't as good as you hope it would be. And part of that is I need to temper my own expectations. It is the second best match of 94, which does not mean much because the 94 Halloween Havoc was, I thought, uh, somewhat disappointing across the board. Um, you know, and, and maybe I'm wrong in that, but I feel like it was not as exciting as it could have been. 
Arn Anderson's part of the stud stable. This is that rare time where he's not a horseman. Uh, we've got Ming and Colonel Parker with him. Ming makes everything better. Uh, Dustin comes out in cowboy attire, his natural attire, that is very sparkly, which posed, which led to me thinking, you know, Goldust was not that big of a jump. You know, if Goldust had shown up in this sparkly Halloween Havoc 94 outfit, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have blinked. It would have made sense. Um, Dustin at one point takes a bump flying over the top rope. Very impressive. Very, very much an athlete. It's noticeable that he is bigger than most of the wrestlers he faces in WCW. And then he goes to the WWF and he's average sized. You know, he's going up against Razor Ramon and people of that ilk. I don't remember him towering over people. Even Roddy Piper, I don't remember him towering over Roddy Piper. Uh, Dustin hits the stun gun, maybe an homage to Steve Austin. Uh, and he wins with a roll-up. Again, very good. Uh, for my money, should have been great. But having said that, I think it cracks our top ten. Um you know, if Honky Tonk Man and Johnny B. Bad is currently 19, this was a couple of steps above that. So, is it better than the... Is it? But let's start here. Is it better than Arn and Pillman versus Sting and Flair? Yes. So it has to be above 12. Is it as good as Steve Austin versus Dustin Rhodes? No. So it has to be below 3. Is it better than Saturn versus Eddie Guerrero? Yes. Because that match, neither man was super into it. Is it better than the Steiner Brothers versus Doom? Yes. Is it better than the Nasties versus the Steiners? Let's say no. Let's break up that Steiner uh, line. <laughs> uh, and let's put it at number six. Arn Anderson versus Dustin Rhodes... Uh, currently the sixth one. So Dustin Rhodes has three of the top ten. Let's just pause and look here. Anyone else have double? Uh, Scott Steiner, technically, both Steiners, technically have three spots in the top ten at this point because number ten is still Rick versus Scott. Uh, I think that's it for duplicates. Uh, but yeah, good for the Steiners. You know, they won my tag team tournament. I do like the Steiner brothers quite a bit, and especially the early stuff. All right, we'll put it at six. What's next? 76. From match number six to 76. We got a hoss fight on our hands, friends. We got a hoss fight from 1998. Second match of the night. Uh, Ming has moved from being manager or bodyguard of Colonel Robert Parker to being a wrestler, and he is taking on... Adam Bomb, also known as Wrath. Uh, hoss fight. Hoss fight, hoss fight, hoss fight. Brian Clark, Wrath, Adam Bomb, has everything you want to look for in a wrestler. Handsome, muscular, tall, imposing. The only problem is he can't talk. And I said he wasn't great in the ring. And then this match happened. And as I'm watching this match, he hits a cannonball. He hits a diving clothesline. And I'm asking myself in my notes, is he good? He might be good. He might be okay. If he could have had a manager, and this is the problem, 
If he could have had a manager, if he could have been part of the Heenan family or the Dangerous Alliance or Jimmy Hart's whatever, he could have been a big, big star because the only problem was he couldn't talk. And in the 90s, you needed to be able to talk. In the 80s, you can get away without it. Uh, Ming hits an amazing thrust kick. I think it's super, but that's just me. The crowd's quiet. They don't really know what to make of this, and I don't think they appreciated either of these guys. Uh, but Wrath hits a good Uranagi. Wrath hits a meltdown. Wrath wins the match. This is building Wrath. That's what this match is obviously about. And I believe 98 was the year that they were building up people. They built up uh, Wrath. They built up Alex Wright in beating uh, Fit Finley. They were building up, They technically they built up Rick Steiner. They built up somebody else who we haven't talked about yet, so I don't want to spoil it. But they were trying. I'll give them credit. They were trying to make some new stars. And you got to appreciate that. Even though, 98, reading my Nitro book, you know, the glass ceiling. You want to talk about a, a, a brass ring or a glass ceiling in WWE. W, WCW in the 98, if you weren't a friend of Nash or Hogan's or somebody of that ilk, you weren't going to be a big star. So they could build Wrath. They could build, you know, Alex Wright. They could build Fit Finley. It wasn't going to work. Um, I say this is the second best match of this card, part of which is because, again, this card had 12 matches and not all of them were great. Um, so Ming versus Wrath is better than, I said, Rick versus Scott Steiner. So I think, actually, we're about to kick the Steiners out of the 10th spot. And I'm going to put it, I'm actually going to put it above Pillman versus Steamboat. I'm going to put it above Saturn versus Guerrero because those matches had problems. This match, honestly, was exactly what it should have been. And that sometimes is a great thing to be a match that's exactly what it should have been. Fairly quick match, brutal match, get Wrath over. Check, check. Do I like it as a Ming fan? Not really. But I can appreciate that they did what they set out to do. And that, listening to Regal's podcast, you're doing a, you're being a pro. You do your job. Go out there and do your job. That's what both of those men did. Number 51. Heading back in the direction we were going before. Where are we here? 51. We're going to be in 95. Another Haas fight that I had no memory of. Uh, having taken place in WCW, Kurosawa, I do remember him, uh, taking on Road Warrior Hawk. On paper, should be a good match. I like Manabu Nakanishi. He was in the crowd at the 92 uh, Rick Rude Chono match. Now he's here. Uh, maybe he's on excursion. He's known as Kurosawa, which is, you know, in hindsight, not the most tasteful name. Um you know, taking on Road Warrior Hawk. I, I love Road Warrior Hawk. But this match, kind of uninspiring. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of the time just imagining if uh, WWE and New Japan could have some sort of working relationship. And then come to find out, a couple of days after watching this, the, the Good Brothers, Gallows and Anderson, show up on Raw. With one of them being a champion in New Japan. Is this the beginning of something? Is this just taking advantage of a free agent thing? I don't know. But it's fun. I'm into it. Uh, this match kind of was hard to be into. Um, again, I said it was uninspiring. Um, 
you know, Hawk takes out Colonel Parker. Kurosawa hits a Samoan drop, which was not called the Samoan drop at that time. Parker holds down Hawk's foot. Hawk is pinned. Come on. Hawk had to have been able to lift up um, Colonel Robert Parker. And, you know, this is 95. So these quick matches are happening so that we can get a uh, monster truck match. I don't think we're going to call it. I don't know. Did I give that a title? Yep, technically that's on this list, friends. Be scared, because some point we're going to talk about the actual monster trucks. Because technically, you know, we, we're going to call it a match. Uh, Kurosawa versus Hawk, I said, was worse than Johnny B. Bad and DDP, but better than Savage and Zodiac. So that at least gives us a point of reference here. So where is Zodiac and Randy Savage is currently 49. DDP versus Johnny B. Bad is currently 16. So I got a lot of room to work here. Let's just pick one. Goldberg versus Chronic. Better than this. Stan Hansen versus Lex Luger. Better than this. Um, the Wall versus Reno. Better than this. This was not great. Let's put it above Jarrett and Sting. Let's put it right next to Benoit versus Rick Steiner, which is another match that on paper should have been better. And let's put it below that at 46, just above uh, Arn Anderson versus Lex Luger. Because <laughs> Lex Luger stinks. All right, 46. There we go. I have spoken. Seems to be a thing I'm saying a lot these days. And by these days, I mean in this show. 93, I opened right to it. From 1999. Oh, yes. Okay. 99. Hogan and Sting. If you don't remember it, I don't blame you. Hogan comes out in street clothes. Uh, he's supposed to come out first. He doesn't. The, the music plays for a very long time. Can we talk about uh, last week I'm at work hanging stuff up on a bulletin board in my hallway singing to myself, I want to be a Hulkamaniac, which was, I think, Hulk's 94 theme song uh, in WCW. And I hated life in that moment singing that that song was stuck in my head. Uh, he doesn't come out at first. Then Sting comes out. Hogan comes out in Sting street clothes. Uh, they talk for a minute. He lays down. Sting pins him. Hogan disappears. You think it's legit, but obviously it's not. Uh, it was confusing, but it also, technically, it also technically could have been Hulk Hogan's best match ever. He didn't mess a single thing up, and that on its own is pretty good. Uh, you know, it was such a non-match that it's almost kind of weird to rank, uh, but technically it happened. I would say it's better than Jeff Jarrett and Sting. It was at least more succinct. But I put it below Benoit versus Steiner. So I'm going to put it, I'm going to bump Anderson and Lex Luger down again. We're going to put this at uh, 47. The 47th best match out of a total of 60. Sting versus Hulk Hogan. Mr. Hogan. Oops, what am I doing? I don't know. 
All right, let's move on to number 43, from 93 to 43. Are we in 94? We're in 94. Oh, good goodness. Let's add another match to the bottom here. Uh, Kevin Sullivan versus his brother Dave in a battle of the fake brothers. I did believe they were real brothers when I started watching. Kayfabe, yeah, I was young enough to be like, oh, yeah, they must be related. They look alike, not realizing that they weren't. Um, you know, Dave Sullivan is not a terrible wrestler, but he ain't no Eugene. This is, for me, the worst match of 94, which actually, again, I gave, I didn't say, I want to amend what I said earlier. I said 94 wasn't good. It actually was. It didn't have great moments. It didn't have great matches, but it was above average almost across the board. Because I said this match was okay, and it's the worst match, which is saying something. Um... You know, Kevin Sullivan, I want to give him credit for. He is the first wrestler that I can remember seeing doing the double foot stomp that is now so prevalent in wrestling. I'm sure others did it before him, but I just want, for my purposes, it was the first time I ever saw it. Uh, at one point, uh, Kevin Sullivan tries to trick Dave by grabbing the Hulkamania and swearing he's going to be a Hulkamaniac. And Dave, simple, simple Dave, is, uh, is bought in by that. Um, they have a beatdown outside the ring, and Dave finally makes it into the ring, and he gets a countout victory over brother Kevin. Uh, it was fine. It was better than The Wall versus Reno. Was it better than Sid versus Goldberg? What did I say Sid versus Goldberg was over there in 99? What were my thoughts on Sid versus Goldiebergy? I said that was low fine, and this is okay. I'm going to say okay is better than low fine. Was it as good as Steve Austin versus Jim Duggan? No. Let's put it... Do I, do I bump Lex Luger down another spot? Ron Simmons versus Lex Luger, that was that two out of three falls match. Yeah, you know what? We're going to say it was better than that one. 1994... Kevin Sullivan versus Dave Sullivan. This is now the 37th best Halloween Havoc matchup. 74. 74. Main event of 97. Ugh. The main event of 1997. Hollywood Hogan, Roddy Piper. <sighs> in a very bad cage, like a very thin, doesn't look that imposing cage. At least the cage was tall. Um, the feud was started at the end of 96 when Roddy Piper comes out to break your monotony. Um, but now they're fighting a year later. Uh, this is weeks after the first ever Hell in a Cell match. I don't know if this cage was always going to include some of the ringside area. But it's worth noting that it did after Hell in a Cell obviously did. Um, I thought Piper was older than 43. I was remarking on how good of a shape he was in. But he's only 43 years old, which is not that old, says the person who's almost 40. The cage is tall, but not intimidating because it's so thin. There was some booty biting in this match, friends. Booty biting. The announcers are talking about how there's no ref, but then there's an actual ref. Sting comes out again. Um, both these old veterans are winded at some point. Uh, now there's multiple stings. 
not a lot of action. Randy Savage comes out, climbs the cage, hits the worst axe handle, but he's jumping from the top of the cage, so I actually give him a pass on that. Uh, and then Piper puts Hogan to sleep. It was a bad match. It was a bad match. Uh, and if I look at it here, it was the worst match I said in uh, that Halloween Havoc. So that means it has to be worse than 56. It's going to be in the bottom five. Uh, and I'm going to put it at, it's better than Hogan and Warrior. Let's give them that. It's better than Hogan Warrior, but it's going to be at uh, number 58, Hollywood Hogan versus Roddy Piper. It's just ahead of Van Hammer versus Doug Summers, but just below Sid versus Sting from 1990. Not a good match. Sad, because I like Roddy Piper, but not a good match. 55. What is 55? 55. Oh my. We just alluded to it, friends. We just alluded to it, and here it is. You want monster trucks? You got some monster trucks. Uh, yeah, at the top of Kobo Hall in 1995. Um, I'm forcing myself to call this a match. Um, you know, Hulk Hogan in a monster truck, the giant in a monster truck, trying to pull each other. It, you know, it's essentially monster truck sumo. Um, the camera is behind, you know, Big Show. I don't know why we're not seeing his face. We're just seeing the back of his head. The camera's showing Hogan. Uh, and then, you know, the only reason I'm calling this a match is the classic Hogan acting that he did after uh, the giant fell. And, you know, it's funny because we mock this. But 2020 Money in the Bank, didn't a couple people fall off the top of the building? Apparently, if you're a professional wrestler, you can survive serious falls. That's one of the things they teach you in the Performance Center is how to survive like a 40-foot drop. Um, it's pathetic, of course. It's pathetic. Is it as pathetic as Hogan and Warrior? No, Hogan and Warrior is technically better. Is it better than Shane Douglas and Tori Wilson versus Conan and Tigress? Yes, because everything is better than that garbage. Monster Trucks. We will call that the 61st best match. So automatically now, immediately, Hogan Piper no longer in the bottom five. Just how it works. All right. Oh, the monster trucks, how dumb you are. Number 20. Let's get something good. I don't need to, you know, we, we peaked, we got up into the top, whatever. Let's get something good. Technically, this is good. Technically, this is better than what we've been getting. And we're getting Oz, that's Kevin Nash to you at home, versus Bill Kazmaier. Bill Kazmaier, the strongest man in the world, so he walks to the ring carrying an inflatable globe, much like Atlas, except he's holding it in one hand, and it looks like he's a magician trying to get it to come out of his ear like a magic trick. Oz has bleach blonde hair, but no mask, but he's wearing the green robes. Um, you know, Bill Kazmaier is not a wrestler, so Kevin Nash, I think, had to be the one calling this match in 1990. Is this one? 91, Kevin Nash should not have been calling nothing. He shouldn't have been calling nothing. Uh, but the match ends quickly with Bill Kazmaier putting Oz in the torture rack. 
interesting because Luger also used that move. Interesting that um, Kazmaier got to use it. You know, of the 11 matches in 1991, I said it was the seventh. I said it was better than Ron Simmons versus Lex Luger. Again, brevity. It was quick, and it wasn't offensive, which makes it better. Um, was it better than Kevin Sullivan versus Dave Sullivan? No. So we're going to actually put it right next to uh, Simmons and Luger. Simmons and Luger is now 39th, which makes Oz versus... Bill Kazmaier, the 38th best match. Um, we are approaching, I would assume, the two-thirds mark, which means that, you know, I can start thinking about putting this to bed. What is 107 times 0.667? 71. All right, so I got to get to 71 or 72. We're at 64. Oh, we got a ways still. All right, I'm not done yet. You're not getting rid of me that easy. Let's go to 80 from 20 to 80. And let's go with, okay, we talked about how in 90, what is this? 98, we were building new stars. For some reason, one of those stars was the Disco Inferno. Disco Inferno wrestled twice at the 98 uh, Halloween Havoc. He had a qualification match to win a shot at the Cruiserweight title. He won that. We haven't talked about it yet, so I'm not going to tell you who his opponent was. And then he takes on the Cruiserweight champion, who is uh, Kidman. Um, you know, this is Kidman in the white tank top. Um, he's post-flock. He's solved all of his itching problems, but he's not a filthy animal yet, I don't think. Um... You know, Disco wrestled in the third match of the night and now again in the sixth match. Quick turnaround. Uh, I did a bunch of dream matches because there were some wrestlers that just reminded me of other wrestlers. Billy Kidman reminds me a lot of Seth Rollins. Physically, the look's kind of there. And also, you know, if Seth Rollins had been in his prime in the 90s, he would not have been a Shawn Michaels. He would have been more of a Kidman. He would have been a cruiserweight. Uh you know, I wrote, Disco is decent, too bad he's a dink. And we talked about the goal to get Disco over. This was a fine match that Kidman won with his shooting star press. So Disco gets to wrestle twice but doesn't win the title. This match I consider fourth on the list of matches. Again, not, oh, no, wait, nope, sorry, fifth. Uh, below Fit Finley versus Alex Wright. All right, but ahead of... The Steiner tag match. So where is Fit Finley versus Alex? Right, that's currently at 27. And then Scott and the Giant versus Rick and Buff is 36. So I've got some room to work here. I know where we're headed. Is this match better than Mr. JL versus Sabu? No. Is it better than Scott Hall versus Lex Luger? That match was bad, but the story was good. Let's let's break up. The, the Luger duo here, 32 and 33. Stan Hansen versus Lex Luger is going to get dropped down to 34. And Disco Inferno versus Kidman will take its spot at 33. Oh, my goodness. Let's go to match 33. I love when that happens. Let's go to match 33 here, which is the opening match of 1993. And... Let me tell you, 
again, 93 is probably the best on paper. But I don't know how this opens a show. You got Harlem Heat, but they're Kane and Cole. So they're not Booker T and Stevie Ray yet. This is early, early Harlem Heat. And they are teaming with the Equalizer, who is Dave Sullivan. And they are taking on a team of Shockmaster, Ice Train, and Charlie Norris, who if you are long time, long, long time, I wrote a huge thing that I tried to get on a website. I can't even remember who I tried to get it on a website for. It was like 19 pages long. Charlie Norris might be the worst wrestler I've ever seen. He was really bad at this one battle bowl that I watched. Um, and you know, this is the opening to the show. This is the match to get the crowd excited. It features Charlie Norris, and I like Fred Ottman, don't get me wrong. And I like Ice Train. But, oh, this did not fill me with good hope. And again, 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 what did we say? I had very low expectations for this match, and it wound up being better than I expected. Surprisingly okay. Even though uh, Charlie Norris can't do an armbar. Um, you know, he can play to a crowd. He, had, he did a little crowd work that wasn't bad, but... You know, none of these guys are great at this point. Booker T is not good. His spinning axe kick needs a lot of work. Um, you know, again, none of them are great, but the match was was better. It, def it defied expectations. Shockmaster wins by picking somebody up for a bear hug and then dropping down to his knees, which apparently does something that causes a pin. It was surprisingly okay. I believe it was... Yeah, it's the quote-unquote worst match of 93. It's not good, but surprisingly okay. So, if I say Ric Flair and Rick Rude is the... That's the penultimate bad match. So it's got to be in the bottom group here. Uh, let's see. Kurosawa versus Hawk is better. Arn Anderson versus Lou. What's another match that defied expectations in a good way? Disco Inferno and Jackie was better than I thought it would be. Um, but let's put it at 98. No. No. Let's put it at 54. Above, oops, 54. Above... Uh, Zodiac versus Randy Savage, but below Lodi versus Saturn. Lodi versus Saturn was quick. Shock, Ice, Norris. The 54th best match. And two above Bret Hart versus Sting. Again, that's what I'm talking about. This match from 93 should have been bad and was okay. Bret Hart versus Sting should have been great and was bad. And that, my friends, is why expectations matter next 61 let's see what is 61 gonna get us it's gonna get us from 96 six sean waltman the aforementioned sean waltman uh taking on chris jericho and i seem to recall this match being good uh when i remembered it i thought this match was good but it's possible that they had another match that was better or again i'm just not a chris jericho fan uh, I put this match as sixth out of eight. Um, it was the first WCW match for Sean Waltman after coming over from uh, the WWF. 
They're both super fast. We see the faces of fear in the crowd um, throughout this match. Uh, you know, the, the story begins here. Actually, no, maybe it doesn't begin. Maybe it continues with Nick Patrick with his neck brace. The counts are not as good. I think he helps Six to the back at some point. Six wins with a spin kick. It was fine. It was fine. So, if I said that this was... Where am I here? It was better than Arn versus Luger, but not as good as The Outsiders versus Harlem Heat. And then what else did I say? I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost and alone. All right, we haven't done that match yet, so I can't talk about that. So let me put a check mark here so I know this one is done. So Outsiders and Harlem Heat is currently ranked at what? 17. Anderson versus... I got a long way to go. Let me see here. Kevin Sullivan versus Dave Sullivan. I, I liked that one better. I did. Um, again, the match isn't bad. Um, where's Arn Anderson and Lex Luger again? That's currently 51. All right. So I will put it... I'll put it in between... Two matches that were short-ish and decent. In between Kevin Sullivan versus Dave Sullivan. Not as good as that. But ahead of Oz versus Bill Kazmaier. So number 39, 6 versus Chris Jericho. Next up, the match right before it. Hey, I don't even have to turn the page. From 61 to 60. So 6 versus Chris Jericho. The match that happened right before that is a very weird match on paper. The Giant versus Jeff Jarrett, which was actually worse than Six versus Chris Jericho. Once again, much like uh, the Outsiders, uh, Jeff or the Giant rather has a belt but isn't actually the champion. Flair comes out with Jeff Jarrett. He's in Jeff Jarrett's corner. Um, the Giant moves well. You know, before he gained a bunch of weight, he moved really well. Um, The Giant is the type of person, you know, I'm always reminded of Paul Heyman talking about how a guy like The Big Show or a guy like Brock Lesnar or a guy like Braun Strowman could get a side headlock over as a finisher just because they could make it believable. At one point in this match, The Giant puts Jarrett in a bow and arrow stretch, and it does look like uh, Jarrett is being split in two. So that's good. Flair hits a low blow. Jarrett gets disqualified, the Giant wins. The match was dumb. It was better than Arn versus Luger, but I don't recall by much. But not as good as Six versus Jericho. So we need to find a home for it somewhere between 39 and 52 at this point. Was it better than Ric Flair versus Rick Rude? No. Was it better than The Wall versus Reno? I say no. Was it better than Disco Inferno versus Jackie? I say no. Was it better than Chris Benoit versus Rick Steiner? Yes, because that match should have been way better than it was. So we will put this at number 49, Giant versus Jeff Jarrett. Wee doo, wee doo, wee doo doo. At least I don't have to worry that we, you know, took all the matches. We're wrapping up here. We got maybe three or four more, um, and we didn't do all the, the big crazy matches here. Uh, we go back to 91, 
and we go to uh, a match that had two very good wrestlers, Arn Anderson, once again, getting screwed here, uh, teaming with Larry Zabisco. They are the enforcers taking on the Patriots, who are Todd Champion and Firebreaker Chip. I know. I know. They're terrible. Uh, these are world champions versus U.S. champions and a tag versus title versus title match. I don't know if it was uh, titles were on the line, but it's champion versus champion. Um, Arn in a rare point where he's not part of the Dangerous Alliance yet, I don't think, because I didn't see Paul E. Uh, but Ric Flair's in the WWF. Um, you know, the champion and chip are bad. So at one point, Larry Zabisco puts one of them, I can't remember who, in an abdominal stretch and has to physically reverse it himself. He has to do all the movements to get the baby face to put the hold on. Um, you know, Todd Champion looks like Sylvan Grenier meets L.A. Knight. Uh, you know, and you've got a, you've got a military man and a firefighter. You know, we mock the mid-'90s gimmick WWF, but this is just as bad. Um, Arn and Larry are doing their best they can with two non-wrestlers. Arn wins with a spine buster. What did I, how did I rank it? Arn is Arn. So an Arn-Anderson match is never going to be terrible, unless he's wrestling Lex Luger. I put it above Oz versus Bill Kazmaier, so it's going to be in our top 40, but it's less than Pillman versus Morton. Um, so it's going to be somewhere between 30 and 40. Uh, it wasn't as good as Scott and the Giant versus Rick and Buff. It, let's put it at 39. Let's put it ahead of six versus Chris Jericho, because I like being mean to Chris Jericho. But again, not as good as Kevin Sullivan versus Dave Sullivan, which told a solid story. And sometimes that's all you need. 34, my lucky number. Hope this is a good one. It is a good one, or at least a fine one. From 93, Paul Orndorff versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Another awesome uh, time to see Ricky Steamboat. Um, he's got the wings. He's got the torch. He's breathing fire. All of that is unnecessary, but I love me some Ricky Steamboat. Um, even before Hogan showed up, WCW had a lot of former WWF guys. I think that's just kind of how it works. Uh, Orndorff's got the assassin as his manager. Nick Patrick's a referee. If you don't know the connection, the assassin, Jody Hamilton, is the legitimate father of referee Nick Patrick. Little history lesson for you. Um, you know, the match begins with a whole lot of uh, uh, offense by Mr. Wonderful, which is not very fun to watch because you want to watch Ricky Steamboat be Ricky Steamboat. But at some point, Ricky hits a uh, flip over hammerlock that makes me wish I get to see Ricky Steamboat versus uh, the American Dragon. Um, you know, it was slow. I immediately was like, oh, this is going to be a time limit draw. I see what's happening. Uh, but not the case. Ricky Steamboat then does some joint manipulation with fingers, which made me wish I could see Ricky Steamboat versus Pete Dunne. That match would be great. Um, the crowd's not totally loving. They're not all in on uh, Ricky Steamboat, which is very sad. Uh, let's see what happened here. Let me read this. Slightly awkward. Orndorff goes for a roll-up, 
and is holding the ropes. Nick Patrick kicks the ropes, but Paul doesn't let go. Then eventually Steamboat reverses, but it's a bad roll-up. So I wonder, is it fatigue? Is it poor planning? Is Steamboat close to being done? Uh, eventually, you know, the assassin's mask gets loaded. I don't, you know, I understand from a, from a visual perspective, you want to watch the bad guy load the mask so you can be going, no, Ricky, no, look out, look out, look out. But from a legitimate, you know, from a place of legitimacy and common sense, shouldn't that mask be loaded the entire time? I think so. Uh, and Paul Erndorf wins via countout. The match, I say, was fine. In fact, the fifth, kind of right in the middle there. Not as good as Sid versus Sting, but better than the Nasties versus Scorpio and Bagwell. So let me see here. Nasties versus Scorpio and Bagwell is the 35th. Sid versus Sting is the... Did we not do Sid versus Sting yet? Uh-oh. Oops. Did I spoil it? Did I spoil it? I spoiled it. I'm sorry. I ruined everything. Uh, let's see. So what match did we do? Oh, so it's not as good as Austin versus Rhodes. Well, obviously. Um, this match does not crack my top three, but is it better than Pillman? Oh. Pillman versus Steamboat is currently number 10. This is fine. What did I say about Pillman versus Steamboat? Good should have been better. So no, this will not break the top 10. Um, is it as good? Is it better than DDP versus Johnny B. Bad? No. Better than DDP versus Savage? No. I'll say it's better than Tom Zank versus Mike Rotunda, though. Let's put it in our top 20, shall we? Yes, we shall. 1993, Paul Orndorff versus Ricky Steamboat. So we'll put it as our 20th best match, and I think we're going to call this next one our last one because, once again, we are approaching the two-hour mark here. And you're probably tired of hearing my voice. Let's hope match number 90 is a good one. And by good, I mean either good or terrible. Uh, nope, it's okay. Brad Armstrong versus Berlin from 99. We've got Berlin. Alex Wright has finally changed his look and is a much more interesting character. He has a Star Trek communicator shaved into his head. Um, it feels like he got paler on purpose, or maybe he just stopped going to a tanning booth. You know, what can we say about Brad Armstrong? We love Brad Armstrong. We wish he was on more pay-per-views. Um, this is the third Halloween Havoc in a row for Alex Wright, but again, with the character change, we have some chain wrestling, we have some decent offense by Berlin, and in a surprise, Brad Armstrong gets the win. Would not have thought that Brad Armstrong would have gotten the win in this match. Uh, I call it okay. It was not... As good as Saturn versus Guerrero, which is currently ranked at. Do, 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 do. Where are you, Saturn versus Guerrero? Number eight, number nine, but better than Sid versus Goldberg. I don't think we've talked about any of the other matches um, that are ranked above that yet. And again, I don't want to spoil it for you. So, if it's not as good as Sid versus Goldberg, Sid and Goldberg is currently at, this is the problem, this sheet is big now, Sid and Goldberg is at 45. So, this okay match, not as good as JL versus Sabu, 
I would say probably better than Disco Inferno versus Kidman, though. Let's put it at, thir you know what? Let's put it at my lucky number. Let's put it at 34. Uh, less than Scott Hall and Lex Luger, again, for the storyline perspective, but better than Disco versus Kidman. We'll put it at 34. And as I did last time, I'm going to give one glance to see what the match is that's coming up. If it's a good one, we'll do one more. Otherwise, nope. We're going to call it a day. And we are going to call it a day. Because you know what I won't do to end this show? You know what I won't do? I will not talk about Shane Douglas. I won't do it. I won't do it. Won't talk about Shane Douglas. Not going to happen. Friends, we're 71 matches in. We have 36 more to go. And that's going to have to be on the episode that actually will drop on Halloween. Uh, this one will be a couple days before Halloween. But we have now officially done more matches than we have not. We're two-thirds of the way done. And I'll tell you right now, our number one is Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio. But it's not going to stay that way. No, no, no. What will take the top spot? You'll have to find out when next we meet. Thank you for listening. I am DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. I'll see you the next time we celebrate the joy of booking. <laughs>